the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What is going on? The NFL is officially back and Tom Brady's still on top. Tampa Bay wins 31-29, and we are off and rolling. This is a three-and-out podcast with me, John Middlecoff. I think this is week two now on the volume, and I've been hammering this home. You have to subscribe to the... If you listen on Colin's feed, you also can listen on my feed. And we put out a podcast now on Monday that's not going to be on Colin's feed. It's just going to be on the three-and-out feed. So if you like this podcast, and I know many of you do, you got to subscribe to that feed so you can listen. That's where it's going to be on Monday mornings. I'm going to do like 30 minutes, you know, recapping some of the big stories from Sunday. So you got to subscribe to that feed. A lot going on. We'll hit a little bit on this game. That was sweet. That was badass. That was awesome. A lot of points, a lot of firepower, a lot of wide receivers, quarterback play, thriving. And we'll dive into a bunch of other stuff. Uh, looking forward to Sunday. A lot of different games we'll hit on today. Uh, A couple thoughts on college football. We will also have, every week moving forward, Stucky from the Action Network, who is a degenerate gambler. He's been gambling for 20 years. You'll hear him a little bit later. He hosts uh, the Action Network podcast on every Thursday. You can find that at Apple iTunes. We'll go for about 10 minutes, and we'll do three for the money together. He told me, you'll hear a, bit, a little bit later, that uh, he's bet five figures on games. So I, I, I like talking to people that actually gamble. He actually gambles. We pick the three three for the money, and uh, we talk about that a little bit later in the pod. And of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Slide up into those direct messages. 
and get your question answered here on the show. Very, very easy. As we progress in this whole volume thing, we're going to try to do something interactive, link some of you guys up in some posts and stuff through the uh, through you guys' Instagram questions. So we'll just keep progressing, keep figuring this thing out as we go, and have a good time. A little bit like Tom Brady, except the opposite. I, I tweeted this out during the game because I played golf on Wednesday night. And I got, a, I got a knee that's bothering me a little bit, and the knee was hurting. The knee hurt all night long, and I played terrible. The next day, as of today, my knee still hurts. I'm 36 years old. I also hadn't swung a golf club in like three, three weeks. My neck kind of hurts today. I'm just kind of in pain. Again, 36 years old. Tom has me by eight years. He looks fantastic. We all know that. Physically, he's got the chiseled jawline, the hair. He looks fantastic. As a player, are you kidding me? 32 of 50. But again, I I don't even need to look at the box score. If you watched him tonight, you went, is this guy Tom Brady in his prime? Now, he benefits from having Mike Evans, who didn't even do much today, Chris Godwin, who's a baller, Antonio Brown, I don't know, had one of the great six-year stretches in the history of the league, Rob Gronkowski, after that year off, looks fantastic. He has great weapons. Running backs need to learn to catch a little bit. But Tom, how's this possible? Is this, honest to God, I'm not even trying to be sarcastic or anything. Is this the greatest athletic achievement in the history of humanity? Like, we've seen some physical athletic achievements like younger LeBron or younger Michael Jordan or a Michael Vick, you know, or a Bo Jackson. But those guys were like in their 20s, in their primes or early 30s. He's 44 years old. This is nuts. Like th- this is this is like I, I we're all kind of numb to this and I think we all have to come to grips unless he gets hurt, how's this ever going to stop? Because unlike Peyton Manning that last year, Peyton Manning's arm stopped working. We saw it with Drew Brees the last couple years. His arm stopped working. Philip Rivers. And obviously these guys were never even as good as Tom. Peyton was close, but Drew wasn't, even Philip Rivers. Tom's arm, I mean, the deep ball power, he can't move, and it doesn't matter. He cannot run at all. He cannot move outside of his little two-yard circle. Yet he can kick the living shit out of every single team he plays. Now, Dallas isn't great on defense. He'll play tougher tests as the season goes on. But are you kidding me? Like, it's this is what we're watching right now? We're watching the most historic 44-year-old man operate in the history of sports. I know there's some hockey guy hit me up on social media, Gordy Howe. I'm not a hockey guy. Uh, I know there are boxers who fought. Like, listen, I, I can only speak. I'm just talking the major team sports. Basketball, football, and baseball. Those are three ones that I follow. This is crazy. And it doesn't feel like it's stopping anytime soon. He's on a loaded team who had, you know, he had a, a pick that went off Lenny's hands. He threw a pick at the end of the half. Godwin fumbled. I mean, they, they were fumbling and turning the ball over left and right. I, I just don't know. I, I, I'm i at the point now where I'm kind of speechless on Tom. It is just remarkable. As someone who's not quite close to 40 yet, my body aches, my body hurts. I, I can't do anything physically anymore. Hell, I can't even play golf that well anymore because my knee hurts. I just, I, I'm at a loss for words. And on the flip side, I think one thing, and I, I try to think about this a lot when I evaluate quarterback because I don't think we do it well enough. 
And I think this translates to society too. Tough people win. Always. Consistently. In business and in sports. Tough people. Now, in normal society, mentally tough people, right? We're, we're not fighting or shoving. I mean, you can, but you get in trouble in, in real life. Mentally tough people. Every successful person I've known growing up, still to this day, people that I'm around, all mentally tough. Mentally weak people get destroyed in this world. Physically tough people in pro sports, they have to be physically and mentally tough because you're using your body, especially in football, have success consistently in the history of team sports and definitely in football. You have to be mentally and physically tough. I have nothing but respect for Dak Prescott. He put on a toughness clinic tonight. And listen, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I believe that contract is a little rich. And I, I like you watch him last night. I saw someone, someone that covers the NFL tweeted, I don't think his arm looks quite as strong. I, to me, it looked, that's Dak Prescott's arm. Now, mobility-wise, you could tell he couldn't quite run, you know, like he could pre-injury, which makes sense. You know, he's less than a year removed. But his arm, he's never had a great arm. His arm has always been much closer to like an Alex Smith than it ever was a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. But his ability to stand as as Greg Cosell of uh, NFL Films eloquently says, look down the gun barrel. And I think he stole that from Jaws, and I stole that from both of them. Most guys can't do that. Because who wants to do that, right? Especially in the National Football League. You're looking down a throw with either a linebacker or a defensive lineman coming at you. You are about to get destroyed. And he consistently does it. Now, here's the other thing. He, to come back from that injury, to not play all season last year after he broke his ankle, and then basically miss all of training camp with a shoulder injury, I tip my hat to him. I, I, I really do. I have... I, I'm probably too hard on him. Now, I will not move off of my stance of, you know, listen, I, I, I'm i a sucker for stronger arm quarterbacks. It's just something I'm inclined to like more. But if you're going to play that tough, and I think his mobility will come back. I don't know if he'll ever quite be as mobile as he was when he was younger after a major injury like that. But he definitely can move more than like statue quarterbacks, right? Even on one leg, he's faster than Tom. Now, obviously, you don't have to be a great... To be a great quarterback, you don't have to run. But the Cowboys have something, right? I mean, they do. You can win with that guy. They're wide receivers. Amari Cooper's elite. CeeDee Lamb is a baller. I, like, I, I can live with a couple drops if you can make plays. Gallup, who hurt his ankle. Like, their weapons are, are badass. And everyone's like, why? Where's Zeke? Well, the Tampa Bay has one of the best front sevens in the league. I saw Charles Woodson tweet it, and he, he was dead on. He's like... They're not running it because you can't run it on that front. You got to throw. And they did. I think he threw for over 400 yards. So to do that, I, I have nothing but respect for Dak. My question, I have two questions for the Cowboys, though. Like Bruce Arians now runs a CEO operation. But I know Bruce Arians is elite offensive play caller because we saw him do it for decades. And I know he runs a tight organization as a CEO because his team just won the Super Bowl. What is Mike McCarthy doing? Honest to God question. What is Mike McCarthy doing? He doesn't call the offensive plays. I know he knows nothing about defense. He has not no part of special teams. What is he doing all game? I, I, I don't know. Now, I know he has a resume of having success, and he's called plays before. But right now, Jerry Jones is paying him $8, $9, 10000000 million a year. What's he doing? And big picture, I was thinking about this watching the game. Like Todd Bowles, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And if you had to pick on the short list of two or three guys, if you were starting a team from scratch, 
he would be your pick as a defensive coordinator. On the flip side, the Cowboys, whose defense was atrocious last night. Now they made a couple plays here and there tonight. And Demarcus Lawrence looked a lot better than he did last year. So, you know, some positive strides. But big picture over the next 16 games, and I think it's fair to say the Cowboys are going to be competitive. Their offense is too dynamic. Zeke will get going. They're passing games too. If Dak stays healthy, they're going to be awesome on offense. But defensively, Dan Quinn's defenses, and he he kind of played the CEO role in Atlanta, but his defenses were terrible in Atlanta. And he's a defensive guy. So now he comes to Dallas, and he's in charge of the defenses. How is he going to fix this? Like, how are they going to be just solid on defense? We've seen him run defenses, and since he was part of, I don't know, one of the greatest units of all time with LOB and Pete Carroll in their peak heyday way back in the day, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he can do it, to be completely honest with you. I would bet against him. He's not Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan was atrocious. I mean, my mom could have told you that the moment he got hired, this is not going to work. I do think this is functional. Like, they're going to be a little bit better than last year, but I don't see them being... You know, if they if they miss the playoffs this year, it'll be 100% because of his unit. And back to the head coach, McCarthy, knows nothing about it, right? Here's the thing about Arians. Arians always runs a physical operation, even though he's a pass-first coach. Think of his teams in Arizona. They were a badass physical team. Because you meet it, you just listen to Arians talk, you go, this guy's a certified badass. This, this, this guy, this guy's a crazy SOB. And his teams kind of have that in a buttoned-up way. McCarthy is kind of a pass-happy guy, too, but his teams, historically, are pretty soft. Like, one of the big downfalls of Green Bay all those years is, one, he knew nothing about defense, and two, his offensive philosophies, his team was just kind of soft. So it's just something to keep an eye on, though, definitely more bullish on Dallas. Dak Prescott, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be a top-five quarterback, but you can see tonight, like, you can win with him. Now, you have to have a good defense, the run game will have to get going against lesser teams, but their offense is going to be really good. Starts with him and those wide receivers. And uh, ultimately, what a comeback for the NFL. Thank God they're back. Uh, that was a fun night. You know, I, I don't need that much offense all the time. I like some physical defensive play, but I'm not going to complain here. That was very entertaining. Watching <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers, on, who's just got great hair right now, as someone who is uh, follically challenged, uh, I would only come back if I had the incredible flow, Pat Riley style, where you could like, uh, you know, use the wax or whatever the spray and just go completely straight back, you know, like Michael Douglas in Wall Street. That's a fantastic look, and Rogers has that going right now. It's uh, I'm jealous. And he went on Pat McAfee last year as a weekly. The game's changed. I mean, you see it with the volume sports. All the SEC players are now going on uh, J-Boy's show. The SEC show, which is really good. I, I've been listening to it the last couple of days. He, he's, he's talented. And uh, forever, that would have been on terrestrial radio. They're, they're screwed. <laughs> I mean, you, you thought the last five, six years, the digital space progressed. Woo-hoo-hoo! Watch out. Bye-bye, terrestrial radio. Y'all had a good run. Uh, but McAfee, who does a show on YouTube uh, and on satellite radio, which I like serious, he has Aaron Rodgers on every week. And Aaron Rodgers, I, I listen, whether you agree or disagree with the way everything went, and we all have our own truths, and let's face it, with, in situations that we don't know about, it's hard to know all the information. There were a lot of stories written, some true, some, some, was, uh, some was potentially false. Rodgers told McAfee that some was. 
Now, the one thing that he did not deny is that LaFleur was nervous this offseason because he's like, yeah, I was contemplating not returning. Like, Packer fans were like, the media's making this up. No, it's actually true. Rodgers admitted it like he did. Now, I don't know how he would have figured that out to get away from the Packers, but this was not made up. We have as much information now, and he's admitted it, which to me is very refreshing. In a day and age where it's hard to believe anything, uh, everything is agenda-driven, I'm not even talking pro athletes, but definitely with pro athletes, it's hard. They they are very careful about what they say. Rodgers is in the, I I give zero shits anymore. I I will say whatever I believe, and it's it's fun to watch. And now it's his truth. You know, it's his bias, his agenda, but at least he's telling you kind of an unfiltered opinion. I mean, the only thing Tom is kind of unfiltered on right now is he's pissed off at these single-digit numbers. I don't know why he's so obsessed with these single-digit numbers, but it really bothers Tom. The other thing, though, that Rodgers got Tom's back on is Tom is, uh, I think he said a couple weeks ago, that the game has changed dramatically from a quarterback standpoint. And when he was younger, because obviously when you're 44, you played in the mid-2000s, when the rules were, you went across the middle, you got, you got skull, skulls got cracked. People got KO'd. It was, it's still a violent game, it was dramatically more violent. And not just for Tom, obviously, as a quarterback in the 2000s and all before, you were a sitting duck, right? If the, the the pass rusher could do whatever he felt like to you. There were no flags for unnecessary roughness or violent collisions or there was no, in the 90s, there was no such thing as a defenseless wide receiver. I still hate that. There's no defenseless wide receiver. If you're running a route through defensive backs, you know that those guys are paid to tackle you. In the in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 70s, they were paid to destroy you. Now the game's changed. It's my beef with the rule in college. That throwing kids out of the game, I understand the thought process behind that five or six years ago. They were trying to change the game. They did. It's worked. Everyone knows. We're not seeing the John Lynches, the Atwaters. Those guys don't exist anymore. Guys aren't wired like that anymore. So just because there's a violent collision, there I, I never see a collision where guys get ejected in college, college where I go, that malicious intent. That guy was trying to injure them. Like, throw on the 90s, right? Atwater, Lynch, some of those guys. You're like, oh my God, that guy was trying to inflict pain. That guy was trying to put him in the tent. That doesn't happen anymore. So throwing the kid out, like, what are we doing? We, we, we've jumped the shark on that. They need to rescind that rule 15-yard penalty, okay. But throwing kids out of the game, that really pisses me off. But back to the NFL, Brady was going on this rant about how it's much harder. It used to be much harder. And Rodgers with McAfee agreed and said, listen, when I was a young player, I was very, very careful and cognitive of laying a guy out. Because if I threw the ball into traffic, that guy would get killed. I was at, I remember maybe my first year in Philly, might have been my second, Austin Collie was knocked out in a game. We, we were playing the Colts and Peyton Manning, and Austin Collie had to be carted off the field. And if you remember, he had some concussion issues. But the collision, I mean, was really, really violent. There was also a collision either that year or the year before with Deshaun Jackson. He also might have, I mean, we thought he died on the field. Now, he obviously is a still alive, but it's one of the most violent collisions I've ever seen. And... There is a level that has been knocked out of the game of football. But from a quarterback standpoint, and Rodgers 
was reiterating what Brady meant is it was a lot harder back then because if you let a guy, you would get him injured. He would be knocked out of the game. That does not exist anymore. And he was saying that the West Coast offense was predicated on exact steps and putting the ball in exact spots because they were avoiding defenders. There was a reason to put it on a guy's right shoulder, not his left shoulder. There was a reason to put it five yards to the left, not four yards to the right. Because Ronnie Lott was sitting right there. You know, Mike Singletary was coming across the middle. And his ultimate point was, you know, bad throws for the history of the game up until five, six years ago, not only were not rewarded, they would have major, major consequences. That doesn't happen anymore. And it got me thinking that if you can't be a high-level quarterback, and I'm not even talking Mahomes, Rodgers, or Brady, but if you're not considered like a top 15 quarterback in 2021, I don't think you could play in 2002, 1994. Like, you know how bad Mitch Trubisky was the last couple years? Can you imagine if you would have thrown Mitch Trubisky in like 1994? Where it's like, if you were just scattershot inaccurate, we would have laughed you off the field. You wouldn't have been able to survive. Now, that doesn't mean that good quarterbacks that still have some issues couldn't have figured it out. But it was way more difficult. Because every decision that you made back in the day, people got hurt. You know, People were terrified to go over the middle first and foremost because there was a reason to be terrified. You would get injured. Now... Like, it's more offensive. And even McAfee pushed back. Part of cleaning up the game was also keeping you quarterback safe. Because Rodgers was saying, like, I'm not begging for roughing the passer calls. Even though, let's face it, when guys like that get tackled, the flag comes out. And and as a fan of... Violent football would probably be the wrong word, but I like hits. I like... I watch football for the physicality. As well as touchdowns. But I like physicality. That's why I watch. And it... It's not really there as much anymore. When you just tackle a quarterback to the ground and the flag comes out, like those guys are really, really protected. So if you can't excel as a quarterback when you are protected and guys down the middle of the field know that they can't get hit, maybe you're just not that good at all. And I'm not trying to act like playing quarterback, even in 2021, is something easy to do. It is still very, very difficult. But... It is much easier than it was 20, 30 years ago. Because this notion of like throwing guys open, that still exists, but not, it's guys just get open, you know? No one reroutes you at the line of scrimmage. There's no, watch tight ends this weekend just take off off the line of scrimmage. For in the history of football, a lot of times you would put the Sam linebacker or an outside linebacker, defensive end, someone over the tight end. And when he was going to, if it was third and eight, and when he was going to go out to his route, someone would hit him at the line of scrimmage. They call it the reroute. And at least slow down the timing. Now those guys, Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, there's like, where's my little uh, five-yard halo in the middle of the, boom, first down. <laughs> like, you, you think Bill Romanowski, who works out at my gym, you think that was allowed in his day? You would get yanked off the field on defense. So when you watch this year, and we see guys struggle, just know that guy's really not very good. <laughs> that guy's terrible. It's like the NBA. There's no defense played anymore in the NBA. If you can't get on an NBA floor now, like as, you know, if you're a shooter, 
and, and you're not getting any playing time, like you really stink. The coach thinks you're bad because no one asks you to even play defense anymore. Right? Think about baseball. It's like, you know, to play back in the bigs when I was growing up, you had to be a good contact hitter. You had to be able to go the other way. You had to be able to, you know, run the bases. None of that shit matters anymore. You just try to hit home runs, strike out. That's all anyone cares about. Hell, they don't even care if you can run or whatever. Just get on base. Like, games progress, and that's fine. Like, people always before you think things were harder. And you know what? It's true. Like, my dad thought his life was way harder than mine. He was right. He was part of a generation that was drafted into a war. His dad thought his generation was harder than his. He was also right. His dad was in World War II. I'm thinking about my generation. I was just with my cousin seeing some of his kids. I'm like, these kids, I see it with my brother's kid. They have it great. I remember being a kid and begging my parents for like a Game Boy. I don't know how much they were back then, but they weren't that much money. I'm pretty sure they were like a hundred bucks. No, you can't have a Game Boy. I didn't know anyone that had it. I knew one friend of like my 50 friends at school that had a Game Boy. Every kid I know now has an iPad and I don't blame those parents. If I had a kid, I'd give them an iPad too, keeps them quiet, keeps them on the couch so they're not running around breaking things. But it's like things advance and progress, but we have to admit like playing quarterback right now, and you're going to see it this weekend with all these rookie quarterbacks playing, has never, ever been easier. Okay, let me tell you about my friends at FanDuel. Football season's here. And if you've never bet on the NFL, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are same-game parlay bets, player props, futures, and so much more. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to do something. I wrote down three teams that I, I got. I, I'm guilty. I, I'm just as guilty as anyone who plays into the hype. And hype is a real thing. You see it in the draft when guys get overly hyped, even though the league can be a little wishy-washy on guys, but I think GMs, it definitely influences owners. It influences fans. Well, what's a big reason that we react the day after or a week after the draft, positively or negatively? It's all based on the media's reaction, right? Who they hyped up and who they didn't hype up. Who Mel Kuyper liked and who he didn't like. And I'm not blaming him. He's going to like who he likes and not like who he likes. Right, Us as fans, we have teams that we like and teams that we don't like. But I do think in the offseason, no games are going on. We anoint teams. And like I said, I am guilty. And you, you get bullish on teams. You, you you see the the ability for these teams to like, okay, you were a seven-win team. This year you win 11. And all of a sudden you're competing to you know play in the championship game. I'm not talking even the Super Bowl, but just maybe you win a playoff game. It, it happens. No sport that it happens as much as the NFL, right? We see every year teams go from worst to first. Every year a team underachieves, fires a coach, gets a good coach, and then all of a sudden wins the next year. It also goes the other way. For every Green Bay Packers that just hire LaFleur and start winning, we see time and time again teams hire the wrong coach and they keep losing. Look at the Cardinals, right? Look at the Cowboys. Look at, I mean, it happens. Even Ron Rivera, let's start there. Because I think the Washington football team has gotten a lot of hype this offseason. And some of it is deserved. Ron Rivera has a long history of being a good NFL football coach. Made the playoffs a lot. I think he made the playoffs four times when he was in Carolina. Here's the thing. Now, Carolina was a run-first, defensive-oriented team. But his quarterback, the Cam Newton he had, was a lot different than the Cam Newton that we saw in New England. He was a dynamic runner. While he was hit or miss from an accuracy standpoint, he did have big play potential because of his arm. He had a top, you know, I'd say, obviously the MVP year, he's a top five quarterback, but for the most of his career, it was like a top 10 quarterback, top 12 quarterback, but had the talent on any given game to play like a top five quarterback. Then on top of their good defense and their run game. Well, right now, his defense is really good. A lot of people think that Washington football team is going to be a top two or three defense in the league. I don't necessarily disagree, right? He's got, he's a defensive head coach, 
Del Rio's an old school defensive guy who was the coordinator those years with Peyton and John Fox in Denver, like Coach Khalil Mack. They're going to be good on defense. To me, offensively, here would be my question. They are very, very dependent on Ryan Fitzpatrick. And who doesn't like Fitzmagic? He's a fun player. He's got the big beard. He's the highest Wonderlick score ever. He went to Harvard. I just Googled his football reference page today. He throws a lot of interceptions. And I mean a ton of interceptions. So this is a guy who historically has been turnover prone. Rivera is not just going to let him sling it around like he's Rodgers or Russell Wilson. That is not the way he's going to want him to play. But at his core, he's kind of got that in him. So this notion, now their division's not very good. That helps them a lot. But last year they went seven and nine. I don't think they're just some lock to go 10 and seven. And to me, it starts and ends with him. He's an older player. Now, like I talked about with Rodgers and the Brady thing, it's never been easier to play quarterback. And we've talked about it before. I think Fitzpatrick benefits a lot from the modern day rules. If this was 1996, Fitzpatrick probably be out of the league. But it's 2021. You can only, you know, play the hand you're dealt. And this is the time he's living in. But I would just, I just keep an eye on them. I, I think it's, and I kind of like them this week. I actually think it's, we'll go into the other team that actually they're playing the next team, the Chargers. But I think Washington football team probably wins this week. I, I kind of like a money line. But I just think big picture, it might be a little harder. Like I kind of view them eight, nine. Now eight, nine might win them the division. But if they go 8-9 they win the division, let's, let's not act like we'd respect them. Then the Chargers, who I, I'm as guilty as anyone on this. I think they're going to be good because their roster is fantastic and I love the quarterback. But when I go back to the head coach, and he was fantastic, fantastic as a coordinator in L.A. Now, he had the best player in football in Aaron Donald. He had an elite corner. Johnson, the safety, was good. They had a lot of good players. And his defense dominated. He's now the head coach, and he's also calling the defensive plays. I looked at Lombardi, Joe Lombardi, his offensive coordinator. The last time he was an offensive coordinator was 14-15 and 15 in Detroit. Stafford actually was pretty good the second year, though they went 7-9. and nine. His first year, they made the playoffs, lost in a wild card round. I'm pretty sure they lost to the Cowboys that game. And then, uh, and then that was the last, remember, Sue like cried, and then he went to the Miami Dolphins for like $60 million guaranteed. I don't have uh, a worry about their talent. Their talent, their high-end talent is elite. I think Herbert is going to be a star. Keenan Allen is a star. Bosa is a star. Derwin James can just stay on the field. He's a star. They, they have really, really good players. But are they just going to be out coaching everyone every week? Is that just what's going to happen? Because if it is, then is Brandon Staley just all of a sudden like one of the best young coaches in the league? That might be the case. But that also might not be the case. It also might be a little challenging. You know, I don't I don't think it's inconceivable they go eight, nine wins. Because I think a lot of people, myself included, just kind of act like they're going to win 11 or 12. Their division is pretty hard. Obviously, the Chiefs, best team in the AFC. The Raiders are feisty. Broncos have a ton of talent. I mean, they could easily go three and three in that division. It's just a team that, I, you know, sometimes I need to take a deep breath before I anoint it. I got to see it first. And then last but not least, this team won 11 games last year. With a, coach, with a quarterback who's now a high school football coach, the Indianapolis Colts. We all agree their roster is really good. Their head coach is good. My problem with them is they are depending on a quarterback who threw 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions last year. 
15 interceptions. If I'm going to bag on Ryan Fitzpatrick for throwing a lot of picks, I got to look directly at Carson Wentz. There's two other elements to Carson Wentz. Obviously, the COVID thing. But he also just gets hurt a lot. Hell, he got hurt in this training camp. He had the most miraculous comeback I've ever seen. It was said five to 12 weeks. All of a sudden, 12 days later, the dude's at practice. But I also think it shines a light on it any moment. Oh, his, his hand's broken. Oh, his, he's got a problem with his kneecap. Oh, his hamstring. Oh, his labrum. Like, it, it's always something with the guy. So his play is a question mark. We don't know if he'll be able to turn his career around. He might, but he also might not. We also just don't know the simple fact that the year he tears his ACL, next year he has the back injury. Next in, next year he's healthy, plays all 16 games, struggles, but actually is good down the stretch. Then he gets a concussion, random, but still he gets knocked out of a playoff game. Then the following year, 15 or 16 touchdowns, 15 picks, benched, benched for Jalen Hurts, who your boy right here thought was a running back coming out of uh, college. Might be wrong on that one, but that happened. He was awful. And now we're just, you know, Rivers was, I would say, over the hill, but he was still solid. Rivers last year, an over-the-hill Rivers, who when I say over the hill, he was like better than Drew Brees. He wasn't like Peyton Manning that 2016 year, but he was just, he was trending down. Was still dramatically better than what we saw at Carson Wentz. I don't even think that's debatable. So to think that the Colts are just going to get what Phillip Rivers was last year with Wentz, I think is a question mark. I, I I really do. And if he's not, like they just could come back to earth a little bit. When I say come back to earth, like nine wins. But as we know in the AFC, where it's way better than the NFC, nine wins is not sniffing the playoffs. So I just think the Washington football team, the Chargers and the Colts, are three teams that a lot of people that talk about football are just putting in the playoffs. And it's just something that I would say, I don't know. We will have to see. I, I noticed on the social media streets, uh, someone from like the Sports Business Journal tweeted out the numbers from last week in college football. And they were huge. I, I think it's official now. Not that it hasn't been for the last several, several years. College football is the number two sport in America. Right? NFL's one, college football is set at two. They did numbers that baseball and basketball would die for. I mean, they had several games over 7 million people. And we've been talking about this forever. Football brings something to the table those other sports cannot replicate. Urgency every week, importance every week. Every week matters. I don't even blame, like baseball, there's 162 games. I mean, the, the I, I'm a Giants fan. They're in first place. The Dodgers are nipping at their heels. Like, I'm sorry, just random games. I, it, it's hard for me to even get excited. And it's early September. Not all these games matter. And even though their games kind of do matter. In the NBA, they've told you. The players, the coaches, the front offices, we don't care about this game. And their players don't play. In football, just because of the nature of the sport you spend all week, it always feels like the games matter. And then in college football, some NFL places have this, but for the most part, college football venues are better. They, they, they just are because they got 50, 80, 100,000 people there, all singing the same songs, all chanting the same thing. It's a powerful experience. 
It's very communal. It actually gives you hope on like society. You know, in a day and age where none of us can agree on anything, and actually that's not necessarily true. It's only on social media. I go out in the streets every day, whether it's to dinner, to the gym. People are friendly. <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes like everyone hates each other on social media. You go out in society. Most people are nice. That, that's always been the case. Always will be the case. Most people are just friendly to other people. But when you see all this hate online, and let's face it, like I, I know me and I know I'm not proud of this. Spend too much time online because that's where my business is. It's how I feed my uh, unborn children. And you watch these college football games and people are going nuts. And it's awesome. But I always, and someone who worked in college football, liked the NFL way more because I always thought college football, there there was, in just college athletic athletics overall, it just, there were way, the way the business was set up always bothered me. And might've been from my own experiences because when we were at Fresno State, we always battled the football program who literally paid for everything if our players got an iPad, then every other program had to get an iPad. And it doesn't necessarily work that way at Alabama, LSU, Texas. Like the football players just get it better. I'll never forget at this like town hall meeting for every coach in the, in, uh, the athletic department and every administrator, Pat Hill walked in late and the volleyball coach kind of tongue in cheek, but also kind of serious. Like must be nice to be you, Pat showing up late to this big meeting. And Pat said, yeah, no big deal. I was just out fundraising to pay your salary. I don't even think you could say that in 2021. He was dead serious. The football program literally pays for everyone. And listen, I'm not anti like women's sports or even the non-revenue generating men's sports. I understand they have to exist. My high school girlfriend, division one athlete, water polo player. Her scholarship would not have existed without football. Girl I dated later on in college was a softball player, full scholarship. Like these scholarships get created by football. So it's, and who knows, one day I'll have daughters. They might not be athletic, but if they are, I want them to play sports. It's healthy for you. It's good for you. But they make no money. They make none. The football program, and depending on the school, the basketball program subsidizes the whole athletic department. And then you're constantly battling because of Title IX. Like, well, if he gets that, you got to get this. It's like, well, it's our money. And now the thing that I like the most about college football is all the players are getting paid if they can generate it. So when you see that Bryce Young is getting a million plus dollars and get paid to go on, you know, uh, podcasts, like it's just like it's become more like normal business and it makes me feel good. It's pure like that's you should be paid for your services. It's always bothered me about Jay Billis, who I like Jay Billis a lot. But on social media, he always gets on his moral high horse about guys not getting paid. It's like, Jay, what world are you living in? Duke's been paying guys forever. You don't think guys in college basketball have been getting paid six figures, maybe some, the top guys, seven figures for longer than I've been alive. You got to be naive. Now we don't even have to pretend. Now to think that guys aren't still getting paid in shady ways would be naive. But now I can do it above board as well. So I can do it both ways. And I can compensate these guys, give them cars, give them money. Because before, one thing that the guys did get screwed that were paid under the table, and don't ever get it twisted. Guys have always been paid under the table. That's the way it works. When I talk to coaches uh, throughout the country in college athletics, cheating often comes up. And I don't care about cheating. I call it capitalism. If I want to pay, the NCAA is an arbitrary group that just makes up rules. They, they are not some, uh, you know, they're not sanctioned by the government. They don't have any power in a courtroom. In my opinion, they're irrelevant.
But if you're a college coach, they do have, they can have an impact because they can, you know, put sanctions on your program. They can screw you pretty well. And hopefully this inevitably kind of pushes them out and destroys them. I'm not some like NCAA defender, but I'm also not some defender of like the media members that have acted like the top guys have always been getting screwed. Bullshit. I think they've always been getting paid. And having worked in the NFL around some of the top guys, like it's not something talked about. You know, it's something that everyone just kind of keeps quiet. Now you can just embrace like, hey man, I'm just posting on social media for 100K. It's like, good, good for you. I do it too, or I would. I'd take 100K for a post. But I think college football is going to, it's really benefited. And college basketball used to be like this when I was a kid. It was enormous. Why? Because we watched all the top players that were then going to go into the NBA. Now it's like half the guys are playing in Australia. We got three or four guys in the G League. We got a couple guys that play a couple games and like, screw it, I'm out. It's hard to even keep up. College football, because of the setup of the sport, you got to play three years. And I think that's a fair rule. But like, there's no other minor league football. There's no other place for them to play. There's no other place for them to play that they'd even want to play. You would be stupid if you didn't want to go to Alabama, Texas, or one of those schools. Fuck, it's a blast. I mean, it's, it's fun. And these guys do it. And then they become stars, and then we find them in the NFL. So I actually think college football is only going to get more popular. I was texting with Coward the other day. I was like, listen, I think the SEC has always been a big deal, right? Football in the South, Texas to Florida, you know, up to, you know, Georgia, West Virginia, Carolinas, whatever. That region, football is powerful. High school football and college football. I do believe, and again, if you're listening to this, you live in the South, maybe I'm a little off base on this. I think Nick Saban, what he's brought to the table in the last decade has even taken them to another level. Now, they've benefited from the internet. The world's much more flat, but I, you see it all the time. The Alabama's quarterback is an L.A. kid. Clemson's quarterback is an L.A. kid. You think 20 years ago those guys are going to Alabama and Clemson? No chance. Probably one's going to UCLA, the other's going to Washington. Now it's like, I want to go to Clemson. I want to go to Alabama. I would too. JT Daniels transfers, goes to Georgia. I don't blame him. I, I'd want to go to Georgia too. Badass. So I, I think the SEC is, is, I don't think it's ever been more powerful. I don't think it's ever been cooler. I don't think it's ever been more nationally relevant. It's not just like living in Mississippi. It's cool. Like it's cool for me. And I live in the Bay Area. Hopefully not for too much longer, but I'm here now. So I, I, I think ultimately college football for me personally, I'm glad that we don't even have to pretend that like, Shady stuff's not going on. Because not even shady. It's above board. And it was only shady because of the NCAA. They made it shady. I, I, I've, The NCAA to me has always been a joke. But if you're a head coach, like you do have to balance taking them somewhat seriously because they can screw you over. So uh, I think college football is poised to have a massive year. Okay, one thing I, I just wrote down some things that are going to interest me this weekend. Uh, we'll just go rapid fire. Won't spend too much time, but these are just some things that I'm excited to watch play out this weekend. One, the three Alabama quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, Tua, Tagovailoa. Tua and Mac are playing each other, and then Jalen is playing Atlanta. So I'm fascinated to watch all these guys and then just what their stat line is going to look like at weekend's end. Is there a chance, and I've said this, I think, before on this podcast, 
Tua is the worst out of the three? That seems crazy. Can you imagine telling someone that was going to be the case three years ago? Two years ago? When he came in in that national championship game for Jalen? It's insane, but it doesn't seem that inconceivable now. Those three guys, which is an incredible accomplishment for Saban and his program. Three guys he recruited that are starting week one, all under 24 years old. But I think the guy that was anointed the best several years ago when they were all in college now feels like there's a chance he might be the worst, which is nuts to me. Uh, Sam Darnold, another guy like in the vein of all those Bama kids. And this guy's still a kid too. I think he's 23 years old is, is Sam Darnold going to resurrect his career? He has Joe Brady, who kind of made it Ogeron. Let's call a spade a spade. Now he's got McCaffrey. They have offensive weapons. He doesn't. He kind of gets out of the rat race in New York. He gets away from Adam Gase. If Matt Rule is just, he doesn't even have to be the real deal if Matt Rule is just a good coach. If Matt Rule, we look back and go, you know, Matt Rule is a solid NFL coach. Not every guy's Jimmy Johnson, right? Or Pete Carroll. Can you just be like, I don't even know. I guess Ron Rivera is above average, but just something like that. Just solid. Just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to be some historic winner. Can you just take a team to the playoffs every once in a while? And if he can, then Sam Darnold's got a chance for success. Now, one major issue with Sam Darnold that I heard from my buddies in the league, and just when you watched him, is not just turnover-prone, decision-making was atrocious. Had some parallels with Famous Jameis, where you're just like, what are you doing? Now do we chalk it up, just Adam Gase is an idiot, team sucked, and he played hero ball? Or is it like, that's kind of him? Because that was kind of the knock on him his last year with uh, SC. And then clearly the first couple years in New York just have not been... The tape he's put on film... That's such a stupid... Obviously the tape you put on film. The games and the play he's put on film was not that great. It, it just wasn't. Even trying to to siphon out the poor coaching, the players he was playing with, just the, just the play-in, play-out... Ability to execute and ability to not throw the ball to the other team is something to keep an eye on because that that scared a lot of people in the league that, let's face it, you could have had him for relatively cheap. And I don't think, and a young player who was drafted third overall, a lot of the league thought he was pretty overrated. Uh, could the Texans go winless? Could they go 0-17? It starts this weekend. They're going to have to beat, if, if they beat the Texans, they're in good shape. They still probably win two games total if they win this game. Excuse me, if the Texans beat the Jags. But they're going to be really, really bad. They're going to be awful. Their defense is atrocious. I, I think they're trying to win games. Don't totally blame them. I would do what the Dolphins did several years ago. I would bottom out. I'd go full Sam Hinkie. That is the play. So you have a franchise who's trying to lose. They'll never admit that, but trust me, they are. They hired a coach. Nice guy. I worked with Dave Kelly. Not in a million years would I ever envision him being a head coach in the NFL. I think they hired him knowing like he can get us through these two years that are going to be potentially a total of like three or four wins, and then we'll fire him, and then we'll get a real guy once we get our picks. Because I would it shock you if like midseason they trade Laramie Tunzel? I mean, that's really their only asset, but they are going to actively try to lose. Maybe not this game, because players don't necessarily try to lose, right? Even the, you look back at the Hinky Sixers, they just rigged it with the, they, 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 the players they threw out there, they knew were so bad. We wouldn't win. 
I think that's a little bit what the Texans are doing. And, you know, it's it'd be hard to go 0-17, but I'd put the over-under probably about 1.5, and, and I'd probably take the under. They are not... It wouldn't... It's possible. Let's just put it that way. It's possible. I mean, look at the Jags last year. They won the first game and didn't win again. Kyler Murray. He was the number one overall pick in the draft. When you're the number one overall pick in the draft, the expectations are sky high. This is a guy who was drafted top 10 in baseball too. His talent is immense. His speed is elite. His arm strength is fantastic. His talent is big time. But is he an actual good quarterback? To me, that's the question. You can be really, really gifted at anything in life. But are you actually good at what you do? Like, there there are a lot of smart people that don't actually do anything. So it's like, what are you doing with all that intelligence? You know, a guy like me, it's like, I'm not much up here, but somehow I get the job done, right? Kyler Murray has all these physical attributes besides size. And that is somewhat of a limitation. I do think it would be a challenge. Just do the math. If you're 5'9", and all the guys in front of you, five feet away, are 6'3 to 6'6", it's going to be hard to see. You know? I mean, it's there's a reason that some of the smaller quarterbacks kind of have to scramble sometimes. And I'm not talking about run. I'm just talking about scramble outside the pocket to see. It's, it's a great benefit for a guy like Tom Brady, or the Mannings, or Phillip Rivers, or Joe Flacco, when all those guys were good. Obviously, Tom still is. You can just see over the line of scrimmage. Right? It's it's easy. Because you don't even you just you just taller than the guys. And that's a problem for him. But is he a good enough player to be like a pro bowler this year? I don't know. I would bet against it. But if he is, he could save Kingsbury's job. If he's not and underachieves, they're all getting fired. Every last one of them. Beside Kyler, he'll be on the team. But the rest of them, the head coach, the GM, adios. Jameis. I love I'm a sucker in sports for guys resurrecting their career. It's it's a cool aspect of sports. I think it happens probably a lot in life. Just most of us don't lead public lives, right? We go through, we get fired from a job, we lose our business, we go through a rough year. Hell, maybe a couple years. Get a bad divorce. You're just down in the dumps. It's no different with athletes. You just play poorly. You go through, you know, rough times. And then you know what? Eventually, now some people don't, but some people do. They, they, they come away on the other side and they figure it out. And then they get rolling again, right? They meet a new girlfriend. They get a new sweet job. They start a new company. Can Jameis Winston, now you could argue Jameis really hasn't played that well at all in the NFL. I know that one year he threw up, he threw for a lot of yards, but he also threw, I think, 30 picks or 31 picks. And I'm pretty sure like eight pick sixes. It wasn't just the amount of picks. It was the amount of pick sixes. It was, remember Matt Schaub had that stretch seven, eight years ago where he threw a pick six in like four straight games. I remember he had thrown a pick six in like three straight games. They came to play the Niners on Sunday night football because Joe Buck was doing the World Series. Or maybe maybe he wouldn't have done Sunday night football, but I maybe I'm off on that one. But it was definitely, I think the World Series was going on. He was going to helicopter back and forth. So maybe it was an afternoon Fox game. Matt Schaub opened the game with a pick six. First throw of the game, pick six. So pick sixes, not ideal, right? Any coach will tell you that. Picks are bad, but a pick six, probably, you know, the worst, there, there's not a worse offensive outcome, right? If you had to list the five worst offensive outcomes, the number one worst potential possible offensive outcome would be I throw the ball to a defender 
and he goes into the end zone. The only thing worse would be as I throw the ball to the defender, I also get hit and I get injured, so I lose my quarterback and I give up six points. That's probably worse. But, you know, if Jameis is solid for them, they will compete to make the playoffs. They have a good head coach. They have good players on that team. They have just a culture there of winning. I am fascinated to watch Jameis Winston this year. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from prime tears. <laughs> prime tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we, we got to bring back the segment. Three for the money. We did it last year. You know, we had some good weeks. We had some bad weeks. But we're going to add someone who's been professionally gambling for a while, who's been in the gambling space with the Action Network, goes by Stucky. Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we want to welcome to the show Action Network, obviously a part of the volume. And uh, Stucky, how's it going? Uh, it goes well. I'm excited for the NFL season to get here. We are so close to that, you know, red zone music and all the kicks across the country. So I'm really excited and happy to be here. Do you consider yourself a professional gambler? Uh, I, guess, I would say semi-professionally because, you know, in order to be – a professional gambler, you bet and that's your sole source of income, which has never been the case for me. I mean, I worked in finance for, what, eight years. And then um, I helped launch the Action Network back in 2017 and lost my entire career. So 
left my entire career, I should say. So I've never had to solely rely on betting on sports as my you know, primary source of income, which is how you would define a professional better. Yeah. Um, so it's always been just like a side income for me. And I've been doing it seriously, I guess I'll say seriously for 15 years um, and betting, you know, close to every day since, you know, high school back in 2000, 2001. Okay, you, you, you're my type guy then. So I, I don't want to put you on the spot without me. The largest wager I've ever put on a game is probably $2,000. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, like, what is the largest amount of cash you've ever put on an individual game? Uh, on one game, probably, and I actually lost. It was spread across a couple books. It was, you know, very low uh five figures i'll say um okay, okay and i had i had the uh falcons plus four and a half against the patriots in the super bowl uh absolutely and they were up 20 obviously up 28 to three and and then lost the coin toss in overtime um and then lost by six i also had the under in that game so that went from a very joyous super bowl up 28 to three to a, a miserable night. And then, and then you have to be reminded of it like every two weeks for the last, you know, four years that the Falcons blew a 28 to three lead. And I'm like, I know, trust me. And I hear it all the time. So yeah, that was my largest wager. So what we do here is we just pick three games and uh, you've been doing this longer than me. Uh, let's just, let's start with the first one. Patriots, Miami. What are you thinking? Well, I guess this is a, a nice, uh, transition into the first game i'm actually backing bill belichick here uh in the patriots minus three i played some minus two and a half minus 120 when it was available liked them up to minus three i'm fairly low on the dolphins this year you know i still am not sold on Tua yet he has all the tools i think he's going to be a successful nfl quarterback but this is more like year one than it is year two for him last year he was dealing with an injury in the offseason it was obviously a COVID impacted year and then he was splitting time with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It doesn't help. You know, and some of the underlying statistics were a bit worrying. It doesn't help that he has a really bad offensive line. It's a really, really young offensive line. They're also going to be without their left tackle due to COVID for this game. They added some interesting pieces on the outside, but Will Fuller is suspended for this game, who I think is going to help them stretch out defenses. So I, I'm still not fully sold on two, and he's going up against Bill Belichick, who just has a great track record against inexperienced quarterbacks in their first and second year. Last year, these teams split. The only game Miami won, they did nothing in the passing game. They ran all over New England later in the season, but New England has completely reloaded their front seven, and I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I think it's an area of strength now for New England. I think both sides of the ball – New England should dominate the line of scrimmage. I think two is going to be confused. I know it's Mac Jones's first start, but I actually think he serves as an upgrade, which is shocking to say. Usually if you go from a veteran quarterback to a rookie, you can't assume too much, but I think Cam Newton was washed up. Mac Jones behind a really dominant offensive line, some upgraded weapons. They'll lean on that run game. I think they'll dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and that'll be the difference. So I like the Patriots at home with – it'll be nice to see fans in the stands. I'm with you on that one. Okay, game number two, Saints-Packers. Yeah, this one is ugly, uh, but I actually took the Saints plus four and a half with Jameis Winston. By the way, if you're ever going to bet on Jameis Winston, never 
back him as a favorite, always back him as an underdog. I think he's 10, he's up like 10 and 17 against the spread as a favorite, and he's close to 70% against the spread as an underdog of more than a field goal. High variance quarterback, right? He's going to make mistakes. That's a nugget. Yeah, so he's going to make he's going to make you know really good passes. He's going to make mistakes. So that's the kind of quarterback you want as an underdog, uh, high variance guy. Sean, I want another nugget. Sean Payton as an underdog, absolutely dominant, 31, 13 and one against the spread in his career. So he's a great coach to back as an underdog, the second most profitable coach as an underdog since two thousand five. Um, you know, when I look at this game, where similar to the game I just talked about, I do think New Orleans will have an advantage in the trenches on both sides of the ball. What they do have is a really strong offensive line, one of the best in the NFL. So Winston will have time. I think they'll be able to run on Green Bay. And on the other side, look, Green Bay develops offensive linemen better than any organization in the NFL. But they're dealing with a lot of turnover at that unit. They lost Lindsley, Bakhtiari's out. They had a kick. You know, Jenkins out to left tackle. They have two rookies starting in the interior. So there might be some growing pains early against a really good Saints defense. There's some questions at the number two corner spot for New Orleans, but I don't think that hurts as much here against the Packers, you know, who don't have the strongest number two receiver. So I know this game is in Jacksonville on a neutral site because of the hurricane. I made it, you know, slightly under a field goal. So I scooped up the four and a half. Uh, I'm hoping that New Orleans can rely on their run game against a, a pretty vulnerable run defense and create some problems for Green Bay's offense with, you know, a very inexperienced uh, offensive line that still needs to build continuity. Yeah, I, I would probably agree. The thing that would make me nervous would just be Jameis and just he's just the ultimate variable, Absolutely. you know, and, it, yep. and who knows, maybe he, we've seen it before with elite offensive coaches and Sean Payton definitely is around the league. Historically, they can resurrect guys, right? So yep. maybe he'll never become a top five quarterback, but who knows? Can he become a top 15 quarterback? And if they get that, the Saints are going to be pretty solid. Now, to me, the only question there is, neutral site so it doesn't it's not like they get a home game right the saints and obviously they benefit from playing indoors but a huge part of that was always drew Brees. maybe they are a little more equipped now to play outside especially as the season goes in the elements james got a bigger arm but that's something to keep an eye on right that they absolutely nailed it i mean i i said you know for the last couple of years when you know drew Brees doesn't he didn't have the arm strength right towards the tail end of his career before he retired and new orleans could really rely on their rushing attack if they faced Green Bay in the playoffs, right? If you wouldn't want to face this Green Bay offense with the with the New Orleans teams we've seen in the past two years on a fast track if they met in the playoffs. So I always said, look, if they did meet the playoffs, New Orleans might be better off playing in Lambeau, right? On a slower track against that bad run defense, turned mm-hmm. into great. You kind of slow down Aaron Rodgers. So I think playing in Jacksonville actually might help them here. Not, you know, obviously I subtracted some points for home field advantage, but I think that the slower track could work in their favor. This is a good point. Last, last game, cards at the Titans. Yeah, we go from Bill Belichick and Sean Payton to Cliff Kingsbury, so it's a big drop-off in coaching. But uh, I took the three here. Look, both defenses have major questions, especially at corner, and both offenses have a lot of exciting pieces I think Arizona should be able to spread out Tennessee and go to work against a corner group that just really lacks a lot of depth and talent. They don't, they can't really generate pressure. So I, I think Arizona is going to be able to move the ball at will. 
They did add some reinforcements in their run defense, which was really poor last year. I think that'll help here. But the defense still isn't great. However, when Tennessee has the ball, obviously you have to worry about covering, you know, taking care of Derrick Henry, and then covering A.J. Brown and now Julio Jones. Tough task for anyone. But it's not like the offense just added Julio Jones to this unit. I mean, they lost, you know, Corey Davis. They lost Johnny Smith, and they lost their play caller. Um, you know, and Arthur Smith, who went to Atlanta. I think yeah. that's a big loss. And on top of all of that, over the past, you know, three weeks or so, Tennessee has been just crushed by COVID. They've had, they still have, I think, two offensive linemen on the COVID list. I expect everyone to play, but they just haven't been practicing together. Tannehill went on the COVID list, just came off on Monday, the day that Julio Jones came back from injury in camp. So they just, there's just, they haven't been working together a lot. And there's a lot of new pieces, a new play caller. So I think continuity could be an issue early on. So, you know, taking all of that into account, I made this closer to one. It's probably a, a coin flip game between two offenses that should have their way in this matchup. But I think that lack of continuity might just stall a few more drives. Uh, and I don't think Arizona is going to have any trouble moving the ball against a, a really poor Tennessee Defense and a Tennessee team that last year, look, they won, I think, 11 games, but they went seven and two in one possession games. If you throw out the Browns game where they came all the way back to make it a one possession game, they're plus 11 in turnover margin. They stayed relatively healthy. Just a, they benefited a lot from luck. And, you know, if they a couple bounces go against them this year. This is a team that could finish. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished like, you know, seven or eight wins. Yeah, I'm not a big Kingsbury guy at all. I think they're all going to get fired nope, because they're going to disappoint. But they do match up better against softer teams. And while they have big yeah. players on Tennessee, they're not, like you said, defensively, they're bad. To me, I the over here, the only thing that would make me a little nervous, like you mentioned Tennessee, Todd Downing, when he was the offensive coordinator in his one year for the Raiders, after they had been good with Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, took over for Bill Musgrave, was awful. Now, I yeah. mean, really, really bad. And now we've seen coordinators turn their careers around, but... This is, you know, Tennessee's a team I'm, I'm going to keep a close eye on the first couple of weeks to just, you know, I, Vrabel's obviously really good, but they, they were very, very predicated last year and the last couple of years on that offense. And if the play caller who got a head coaching job, if they're bad, they could come back to earth for sure, right? Because that defense, pass rush question mark, coverage is non-existent. So uh, this, this could be a high-scoring game. Yeah, on paper, it looks like both offenses should have their way. Uh, oddly enough, I think all eight Arizona games went under. All eight road <laughs> games for Arizona went under the total last year, which was so bizarre to me. So I don't know why that would be the case. Maybe they're due to go over. But, yeah, on paper, both offenses have uh, a distinct advantage here. Okay, Stucky, I appreciate that. Uh, best of luck to you gambling. I'm sure uh, – how, how many games do you think you'll – college and pro? Or just – or we just focus on Sunday? Oh, yeah. <laughs> college, absolutely. College and pro. Um, over and over we'll under 40 games you'll have money on this weekend. Oh, way under. But I'll have – I'll probably have – I mean, the, the college slate's pretty poor. There's it's a awful. lot of teams that are, yeah. you know, playing FCS schools and things like that. You know, I'll probably end up with like 10 to 12 college games and – you know, maybe only five to six NFL games tops. It's week one. You know, there's – it's – I love week two in the NFL that where, you, you know, you get the overreactions in the market for what happened in week one. Uh, week one in the NFL for me is more of a – you know, it's obviously it's exciting to watch, but it's more of a learning opportunity to see what some of these teams look like after they had scheme changes and personnel changes. So, 
you know, I would say max bets this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, probably around, you know, 18 to 20. Okay, Stucky. Have a good weekend, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. See you, bro. Okay, let's go. Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram handle. DMs wide open. You just slide in, kind of like a slip and slide. You guys ever had slip and slides when you were kids? And uh, you fire in the DMs. Okay, from Dell. How much did school matter when evaluating a sc- as a scoring? Evaluating as a scouting. As a non-GM, obviously, I would try to find the most talented guy at a bottom feeder SEC school. They probably have below average coach like Butch Jones or Trad Morris, play NFL guys at other top SEC programs, and don't have that many NFL guys around them. They also get the concept of pressure. Since Bama has the goat of coaching and seemingly all the NFL guys, it makes sense that most of their NFL guys outside of Jones, Collins, and Henry are meh like Tua. Uh, the problem is that happens. Like people scout, you know, Mississippi State. When I was with the Eagles, they were terrible and we got Fletcher Cox. A couple years ago, the South Carolina was awful and Javon Kinlaw, who the Niners drafted 14th. So I, I think part of it, I think guys do that, you know. The, in 2021, if you're a great player at any Division I school, whether that school has, you know, I, I, I don't know, one win or five wins, it just doesn't matter. It, it, it really doesn't. So I, I think those guys, I, you're, you're actually thinking like a GM, but those guys get scouted. Quick question from Tyler. How many years would it take for Belichick to not win a Super Bowl before we pause and say, oh, maybe it was Tom? And does it hurt his legacy if he goes eight years and doesn't win one and then retires? Well, he's like 70 years old. So is he going to coach till 78? I, probably not. Uh, you know, win a Super Bowl? I would say if Belichick makes the playoffs with Mac Jones, like Belichick doesn't have to win a Super Bowl again. Belichick won Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator for Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells on the 30 for 30 said that he created the game plan that's shut down Walsh in Montana. Like that happened. And the K-Gun and the Bills. Like we watched that. So Belichick, like whether Tom wins three more Super Bowls, and hell he might, we can't acknowledge Belichick's greatness. Like that's not disputable. We, We all saw it defensively, special teams for years with the Patriots. The way, just the shit he did, we all witnessed it. Every single one of us. The Malcolm Butler. Call timeout, Bill. Call timeout. He didn't call timeout. What happened? I don't know. One of the greatest plays in football history. Belichick. Hey, John. Huge fan of the pot. The other day, I heard you offhandedly mention how Belichick isn't the best drafter. Absolutely agree. And you used used him taking Chase Winovich in the second as an example. Is Chase Winovich considered a bad pick? As a Pats fan, I love the kid, but wondering if the football heads see him different. I'll be honest, haven't studied him that closely. Uh, I asked around, I think this offseason, I talked to a buddy about it in the league. He thought that he's just a good pass rusher, not great against the run, just a role player. Now, I think this season, there will be more eyeballs on Winovich just because their team's going to be better and we're all going to be watching, right? They're going to be playing in just more meaningful games than last season. So is he a bad pick? I don't know. I, I think the jury's still out. Is it trending closer to bad? Like in the second round, you're you're looking for difference makers. 
Gronkowski's the second round pick, right? That's like you're you're looking for impact guys in the second round. Nick Chubb, you know, AJ Brown, Deshaun Jackson. Like you can get really, really good players in the second round. So I bad pick, I would I wouldn't say that yet. It hasn't been great. Listener from College Station, grew up a Packer fan my whole life, and I'm wanting to know your thoughts on the future of the Packers. I understand that love might be a bust or generally not as good as the Packers want and need him to be, but realistically, Rodgers can't be the quarterback forever in Green Bay. What do you think the move should be for the future of Green Bay? Trade Rodgers after the season and acquire a quarterback for draft picks. Pray he lasts a few more years. Let him pick his successor. Go with love and hope for the best. Curious your thoughts. I think it's simple. You just try to convince Aaron Rodgers to stay. Tom Brady's 44 years old. Aaron's 37. Can I get seven more years of Aaron Rodgers? I fix the relationship. I keep Aaron. I extend him, and he retires as a Packer with Devontae Adams. That happens. That's what I do. Every ounce and every bit of my energy all season long is to make Aaron feel good. Aaron, we want you here. We want to win more Super Bowls with you. We want you to be like Elway or Brady. Later on in your career, rattle off championships as a Green Bay Packer. One of the most historic brands in the world when it comes to sports. Think about that. One of the most historic brands in the world. I don't even know. Manchester United, the All Blacks, uh, the Yankees, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I don't know. I mean, think about it. It, it, that's what it is. I mean, it's the, the Packers. This is where we want you. What will it take? Jordan Love, trade him. Like, see ya. Like, we fucked up. Picked in work. Whatever. We have Aaron Rodgers. We thought he was going to be bad. Turns out he was still awesome. We're going to kick ass and we're going to take names. And we're going to win the NFC North for the next seven years. That would be my game plan. So if I had to send him... You know, as the kids say, send him his flowers. Give him his flowers. I guess you actually send flowers. I got to send some vodka. I guess he likes, he said brown liqueur. So he likes um, a scotch. I'm not a big scotch guy or a whiskey guy. I'm a white liquor guy. Vodka, tequila. I've always been a white liquor guy. Though I, I don't hate a Jack and Diet Coke, but it's just, I don't know. It's never been my order really since I was like college. I've just, I do white liquors. Maybe it's because I'm not that tough. It feels like all the tough guys just drink like whiskey on the rocks. Now, I can drink whiskey on the rocks, the highball. I think a highball is whiskey and water. But uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I've always gravitated toward the clear liquors. I, I really have. And those are the ones I enjoy. And I think as of 930 right now, I think I'm going to go pour myself one and go to bed. So have a great weekend. Tell your friends about the podcast again. You like the show, Mondays are on my feed only, not on Collins. Subscribe to the three and out feed. I need to do that. Come out Monday. And um, and yeah, have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy watching the games. Enjoy gambling. Enjoy your family and your kids if you have some, or your girlfriend, or your wife, or your friends, or wherever stage you are in life. And, um, and yeah, I will talk to uh, everyone on Monday. Peace.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.